You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Brian Peacock and Matt Williamson with you at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL on Twitter, which is where some of the questions will come from at the end of today's program after we chat with Jeff Lloyd, the host of Locked On Browns and, and everything going on in Cleveland. Baker Mayfield officially not starting Thursday now, and they've got a problem at running back. Uh, this is a team that should compete this year, but uh, is their season on the brink heading into week seven of this episode of Peacock and Williamson is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. McDonald's, I'm loving it. Our good buddy from Locked on Browns, Jeff Lloyd. You can find him on Twitter at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. And Jeff, I got to say, first of all, thanks for jumping on the show with us here and talking about this Cleveland Browns team, which uh, gets more interesting by the day, right? Where we've got new running backs coming in. We've got, it looks like a new quarterback coming in now as of Wednesday morning. Well, you know, the word is, is that, you know, with Baker Mayfield, the labrum got worse or there is maybe some more structural damage or there is inflammation in the area, which makes Thursday night football seem like absolute, you know, just bonkers for him to be able to go after, you know, going to the ground as, you know, mm-hmm. as rough as it was to watch twice yeah. on Sunday against the Cardinals. So now you ask him to amp it up three days later. It's understandable. The thoughts are maybe with some rest and, you know, relaxing of the inflammation and maybe some swelling. You know, the 31st, the Browns have 10 days off after Thursday, then play Halloween against Pittsburgh Steelers. That, you know, maybe that is a realistic possibility. I mean, who knows at this point? Um, obviously, you know he's hurt. You know it's affecting his play at this point. Um, so it, it's difficult. I mean, for me, the problem is, is, you know, there's certain teams in the NFL where you just don't view that you have a backup quarterback. You feel your guy is your guy. I feel the Browns feel that way about Baker Mayfield. Their hands are kind of tied in this instance going into Thursday night. He's just not going to be able to go. And obviously it's causing more harm than it certainly is help at this point. Just a really difficult position for a team that had a lot of aspirations going into this year. And now all of a sudden you look around and it's, you know, a lot, a lot of injuries and it kind of feels a little bit like dumb and dumber and, you know, all our pets heads are popping off type of thing that's going on right now with this team. Yeah, I'm not sure any team all year has been as injured as the Browns are now. And unfortunately for them, super short week Thursday. We know Mayfield's out. We know Hunt and Chubb are out. JOK is not going to play, correct? He's on IR, yep. Yeah, what about the tackles? Who else are we missing? Clowney? Well, it looks like Clowney and Garrett are going to be good to go. The question is, we haven't heard anything yet on the offensive tackles. Um, Jarvis Landry, look, they made him eligible to come off of IR last week. We really thought that, you know, week one was going to maybe be, you know, something that wasn't going to happen against the Cardinals. Maybe you can get him back tomorrow night and that with the possibility of then he gets another 10 days off after that. We'll see how that plays out. Um, But the tackles are are, are the biggest question here now, because normally what do you say? And Matt, obviously you've been around, Brian, you've been around forever. What what are the first, you know, phrases you use when you go to your backup quarterback? Oh, well, we'll lean on the running game. Well, can't do that. Okay. Well, if the offensive line keeps them clean, well, right now we don't know about that. Uh, Von Miller versus James Hudson is a matchup that scares the wits out of me. There's just no way around it. Uh, The rookie is just not ready. Uh, He wasn't ready on the left side. He's certainly not ready on the right side. So, you know, that's something that's certainly going to cause some pause and some hesitation. But look, you know, you look at this for Case Keenum, you know, a lot of quarterbacks would literally give their life to say they can go out there and have 
maybe a throwing, you know, palette of receivers of Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, Donovan Peoples-Jones, David Njoku, and Austin Hooper. That's not bad to work with. It's really not. No. Throwing Felton and, you know, I mean, they got some guys, so there's no question about it. Um, what's your take on Keenum, though? I have a hunch that you're not real fond of the guy in terms of the, uh, you know, true backups, you know, high-end backups that many perceive him to be. Well, and this is, you know, a lot of fans, and this is kind of what we're going through on social media, and I'm about to call that a, you know, call that a day over there. Um, everybody wants to go back to 2017, um, and, you know, and, and there's still the misconception. You know, Coach Stefanski obviously was a large part of it. He was a quarterback coach in 2017. Case Keenum had a really good year, had a really, really good uh-huh. year. Um, but sure, you know, Stefan Diggs, Adam Thielen, good running game, really, really good defense. They went to the NFC Championship game. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. After that, what happened? Was anybody really hot after Case Keenum? No, ended up in Denver. And actually, ironically enough, lost a Saturday night game to the Cleveland Browns. Um, 2019, plus started eight games for the Washington Redskins. Played one in seven. His last six games, 126 yards passing average. Average 126 yards. I'm not trying to knock the guy because obviously right now a you know th- this is a huge game for the Browns and you know they need this win and certainly you're looking at him to do this, but you don't have enough here to go off of to feel confident. I mean, look, 2017 guys, that was five years ago. Brian, you weren't even married, you didn't even have a kid then. I mean, that is a long, long time ago, and to just think it's going to get amped back up here. Um, and I know the way the Browns run practice, and Baker Mayfield is one of these quarterbacks that insists on he wants almost every single rep possible, which is the type of attitude you want in your franchise quarterback. I just don't know, you know, how this is truly going to work. He has the advantage that he has a long relationship with coach Stefanski. So they can probably use almost all of the playbook on Thursday night. And it's not his first year here. It is his second night here. Um, but it, it just seems really, really, you know, difficult that they're into this snap decision. Look, if it was a Sunday game, maybe you'd feel a little more at ease about it, but everything just so rushed. And, you know, you, you hope he can go out there and compete. You can hope that whatever offensive line he's got can keep him clean. He's got receivers to work with. But, you know, it's been a long time since Case Keenum has played some productive football. I want to close the door on this quarterback conversation here, Jeff. When, when it comes to Baker Mayfield, this is an injury that's not going to go away this year, right? And, and is there any thought of, look, we just got to shut this guy down so he's healthy next year and then there's the contract stuff with him which was already going to be difficult with Baker Mayfield this is going to cloud that situation even more and how good was he even playing before he got hurt I mean there's there's so much question when it comes to Baker Mayfield not only this week but in in the next you know six months it's kind of hairy yeah, it most certainly. And, you know, I mean, look, you know, it, will he be here with the Cleveland Browns next year? Yes, obviously, you know, fifth round. I mean, fifth year, that's the way it's going to work. What is the future of Baker Mayfield with this organization right now? I don't think anybody truly knows. And this was the thing. And, like, it's gotten a little bit of cloudy. You know, oh, well, you know, he's being selfish by staying in the lineup. Really? Because if, you know, people are trying to accuse him of, you know, trying to, uh, you know, enhance his contract value, he's not been playing well enough. If anything, right now, he's losing money by playing. Um, he can basically sit out, get the surgery. Um, it is a torn labrum. It's it's surgery. Look, I mean, you're not going to fix a torn labrum. It's just not going to heal on its own. Um, who knows what else is going along with it? Yes, there, there's going to be surgery in Baker Mayfield's future. Question is when. Um, so, but him, I mean, this is what you look for. I mean, this is the guy they drafted. I still go back to you know him playing in the Rose Bowl after winning the Heisman. He was sick for a few days when he was at Oklahoma, and you know finally showed up sick to a press conference. And said, look, I shouldn't be here, but it's it's not fair. I'm the quarterback of this team, and you guys are asking everybody else questions that need to be asked of me. And this is the way he controls himself. This is the way he acts. 
I am the quarterback of this team. There's certain things. And look, for him, simply, what does he think? It's my left arm. I don't throw my left arm. We'll figure it out. We'll find a way. And for a couple of weeks, they were able to do it. I mean, keep in mind, this happened week two. He won that game. Won the following week. Beat Minnesota. Played well enough to win the Charger game. It wasn't his fault the defense didn't hold up their end. Last week, certainly did not play well. But again, the defense didn't play well either. But 37 to 14 is 37 to 14. It's really cloudy. I truly believe you know, they, it's going to get done. There will be a future here between Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns. Because I think they've invested so much to every other area of this team that the last thing they want to have to do now or next year is to go have to figure out the, the quarterback position because it's going to change a lot of the way this team has been structured monetarily and talent. Certainly competitiveness is the least of my concerns with Mayfield. I mean, leadership and toughness and all those things. Someday I want to have you back on after the, the season and talk Mayfield contract, because I don't think he's going anywhere. You see that Jersey with 18 quarterback names on it. You know, this organization is not going to let one of the true starters they've had walk out the door. It's all about how much though. So that aside, Thursday, I mean, this is a real glass half full version of this because they're in a bad spot right now, obviously. But I think Denver is not a good football team. I really think it's first one to 13 and that game wins. And (laughs) if you get the ball last or win on special teams, you got a great shot. You're at home. They're on a short week. And then, as you said, you got 10 days or so. You host the Steelers, which is a really winnable game as well. It's not hard to picture them turning this thing around if they get the win Thursday. Well, there's a couple of things that have come here this week, Matt. You know, one of them, Miles Garrett has sat down and called another players-only meeting. Obviously, there's some things that, you know, he, as one of the leaders of this team, is not comfortable with. Malik Jackson yesterday basically came out and stated that maybe some guys are focusing too much on their time outside of the building and not enough time at home. Look, you know, and basically used the words that, you know, playing in the NFL is not a nine-to-five job and basically even referred to maybe, you know, film is a little bit more important than a date. Um, so obviously, you know, there's a little shade thrown there. And for me, I believe it's probably, you know, directed at the secondary. Um, there are major gas and coverages. There are major, major communication issues. We are talking about a team that has three first round cornerbacks on its roster. Troy Hill, one of the best nickel players in the NFL last year, Grant Delpit, Ronnie Harrison, John Johnson, the third is making almost $12 million a year. These types of things. Look, you can understand getting beat. You can understand a team being better than you, but you cannot understand a secondary with all of this talent having you know lapses like this and i know it's not been long that they've played together but they're all talented players they've all played with talented players before i mean it's not that hard to you know look somebody to the left or the right in your eye and say yo it goes that way you all right okay i got you and it just seems that that's some of the issues that they are having um look the onus is now going to be on this defense obviously for thursday night and rightfully so this team you know dismantled a bears team that certainly was not ready for them that minnesota vikings offense has looked good pretty much against everybody else in the nfl this year but they had no answer for this Cleveland Browns defense. The Denver Broncos offensive line is not very good, as you saw Sunday against the Raiders. Teddy Bridgewater is a stopgap quarterback, three interceptions Sunday against the Raiders. Browns probably have a better secondary and probably have a pass rush that matches the Raiders as far as getting after it. You need to get it done. You need to write the ship. And for me, Denver is a team that I don't know what the existence exactly is of this franchise. You've got Past, past players. You've got some sort of present players. You got some future players. And again, stop back, you know, quarter, stop gap quarterback, Drew Luck. I, I don't know where this organization is going. Um, if there's a team that's probably the right opponent for the Browns this week, and look, some of these guys, you know, they're a little dinged up too in Denver. They certainly don't want to be playing on Thursday night. This looks to be a, you know, a recipe, hopefully, for the Browns to at least, 
you basically, you know, when you take <laughs> Alka-Seltzer, calm your stomach here for now. Avoid the nonsense in the news for the next 10 days about how they're going to be three and four. Get it to four and three. Start getting everybody healthy and then start putting your eyes on, uh, you know, divisional play as you get your first AFC North uh, opponent in Pittsburgh coming into First Energy on Halloween Sunday. More with Jeff Lloyd on the Cleveland Browns coming up, looking ahead to week seven and beyond. Who's the fantasy running back to own this week? And then Matt and I will tackle your Twitter questions coming up. There's a good chance if you're listening to this podcast, you are somebody who drives in their car and gets gas. And if that is you, then you got to check out the Get Upside app. Listeners are making up to 25 cents on every gallon of gas every time they fill up after downloading the Get Upside app. Just download the free app, promo code TOUCHDOWN, and you can get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. So that's 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first fill up. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using Get Upside. It's super easy. Use the app. It tells you which gas stations nearby are partners. Fill her up. Cash back on those gallons of gas. It's super simple and a win-win for everybody. Just use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get that extra 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. You cash out anytime you want. Bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. That's code TOUCHDOWN. You mentioned the defensive backs there, and one of my questions coming into this with you, Jeff, was going to be about the rookie class and how some of those young players are playing. They uh, they hit the, the secondary hard in the draft. First rounder Greg Newsome, LeCount to safety in the fifth round. Obviously, JOK was, uh, I think, a phenomenal pick and just a steal in the second round. I don't know how he gets... Uh, you know, out of the top 50 picks. He was a first rounder all day to me. And maybe some, you know, defensive coordinators sent in their report and said, I, I don't know how to use him. He's too small to be an mm-hmm. edge guy. I don't know if he's an off ball. I don't know if he's a safety. I don't know if he's a linebacker. Uh, so h- how has that rookie class, specifically the first two picks in Newsom and Jeremiah Wusu Kormo, how have they developed and how have they looked so far? And how is JOK being used on defense? Well, Greg Newsom played the first two weeks for this team, uh, then got injured. But through the first two weeks, he was the best cornerback on this team. He there, there was no way around it. The way he graded that way, played that way. You know, there was a, a you know a gaff here and there, which you expect from a rookie. But he played really well. Um, and to the Browns' credit, when he went down, Greedy Williams, who was a player that seemed to be lost in the ozone, um, you know, because he never had played it down for the way the Browns' regime is currently constructed. Uh, you know, for you know for his two weeks, he was the highest graded cornerback in the NFL at the time. Um, he came back last week. You know, A.J. Green got the better hand of him. Look, A.J. Green's a Hall of Famer. He's going to do that at times. But the the, the the individual talent is good. It just seems they can't work as a unit. Greg Newsom is back now. There are some things they can maybe do with Newsom um, where the, he can play some nickel. They were training for that in the summer so they can maybe get all their best talent on the field. The loss of JLK is – it's just – it's insurmountable. Um, by the time they started playing him, he became their best linebacker instantaneously. Um, he's the fastest. He is the quickest. He covers very well for a rookie linebacker. And the thing that I I said a lot about JOK, you always want that physical presence. You want a hitter on your defense. Somebody that, you know, offensive skill players are going to have to keep their eyes on and say, man, I want, I want no part of 28. And that's exactly what he did for this team. Um, you know, where there's some rookie mistakes, overrunning some plays, yes, stuff you were going to understand it and accept that was going to happen. Um, but it went from a team that didn't really have it had average linebacker play to it had, you know, 
a ridiculously good linebacker who is fast, ferocious, quick, reading, diagnosing. And it's going to be a big loss. And knowing that he's on IR means a minimum three weeks. Maybe you're talking he's back by maybe the first Ravens game, I guess, maybe. Um, Really, really tough pill to swallow because he, playing the linebacker position, helped his defense become extremely fast. And they were able to have some lapses. They were able to have some deficiencies because they were so fast to the ball starting to lose a player like JOK that certainly slows this defense down a lot. Anthony Walker's not a bad linebacker, but he just ain't fast. Yeah, Jeff, the last thing I have for you is how would you power rank the AFC North right now going into Thursday nighter, you know, an injured Baker, all those things, and how? what's your prediction of how the, the division shakes out when it's all said and done? Before these last couple of weeks, I thought this this was a lot closer – then, you know, people wanted to think, uh, look, yeah, Baltimore yeah. hitting their stride. Um, the fact that they are succeeding with the running game with guys that, you know, I mean, they lost everybody and then just went out and handpicked some veterans and say, we'll give you some small roles. Baltimore right now is the class of this division. I think Cincinnati is maybe a little bit better than everybody expected. I think that defense has come around a little bit better. Um, are you viewing the Browns as healthy or are you viewing them as not healthy? Um, if you're viewing what this Browns roster is going to be that goes out to play tomorrow night on Thursday night football, I think right now you'd probably say the Cincinnati Bengals a little bit better than them. Sure. Um, the Pittsburgh, I, I just, I, I just don't get it. And like, if similar to Denver, you know, if Pittsburgh doesn't make the playoffs this year, then what was this year for? Um, you wasted one year in Najee Harris. Um, you were pretty confident. You thought you were done with Ben Roethlisberger after last year. Um, I don't think he's done anything to dispel the myth that you know he's you know any better than he was last year. So I would say it's Baltimore at the top. It's probably Cincinnati. It's Cleveland three. We'll see you know, where Cleveland goes injury-wise. The good news for them is it doesn't look like anybody is gone for the year, so to speak. So if they can kind of tread water here, um, you know, maybe they can start. And they still have those two games versus Baltimore. Plus they have the favorable schedule of playing Baltimore one week, having a bye week, playing Baltimore right after the bye week. That's a nice thing to have in their back pocket, especially seeing as the situation they're in now. And then it's it's Pittsburgh, which just seems like it's you know going to be a year for Pittsburgh to get to next year and to see what you know the next decade or so of the Steelers franchise will be. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this is rock bottom for Cleveland. Hopefully, you know, like when you look at the seventeen games, we look back on it and say, "Boy, er, mid October was rough," but you know, it, it's a long season. Indeed, indeed. You know, getting Landry back um, and, you know, finding a way to understand that, yes, Odell's open, and uh, if he's open, just throw him the ball because, I mean, it's ridiculous as wide open as he's been. And it's okay when you have weeks like the Chargers where you throw for 300 and it's not an issue. But when you look at a week like the Cardinals where he was open all day and he got trounced, you really have to ask some questions, you know, about, you know, whether or not, you know, Odell and Baker is a marriage that's going to work for a foreseeable future. Wow, so you think it's a connection thing. It's not Odell not looking like his old self. He's looking like uh, a, a, at least a, a close proximity of the old Odell Beckham out there physically. He's getting open. He's getting open a ton. And this is the most difficult thing. And it's and look, you can't ignore numbers. I mean, there's enough numbers where eventually it smacks you in the face. Does Baker Mayfield play better as a quarterback without Odell Beckham Jr.? Yes, the numbers are there, and the numbers are sustainable, and they're like largely there. And part of it is is because Baker plays better as a guy that you know gets the snap, reads, finds the open man, whether it's you know wide receiver one or tight end three, and throws him the ball. It's really really hard to do that when you have a player like Odell Beckham Jr. He gets open so often, so quickly. You know you try to feature it, but that doesn't always work best for Baker because if he's keying on Odell 
and it's not there or it is there and Odell doesn't – I mean, Baker doesn't see it or doesn't throw it to him, then he's late into the rest of his progression and it kind of clogs things down. It's not an Odell issue. It's not really a Baker issue. It's an issue of you know whether or not you can get the best out of the two of them together. And I've seen Baker Mayfield succeed with Rashard Perriman, Rashard Higgins, uh, you know, Darren Fells, and be a lot better quarterback than I've seen Baker Mayfield start games with Odell Beckham Jr. We get a lot of fantasy questions, Jeff. This is my last one for you. And uh, I've been a fan of Demetric Felton. I was surprised he fell in the draft. You know, I think some teams, sort of like JOK, they didn't know how to use him. Mm-hmm. A flexible player. I think he's as much, and, you know, looking at the usage, he's probably even more wide receiver than he is running back in a lot of ways. Is this just going to be a split Thursday? Who's the. Who's the running back to own there in that Browns backfield? And what kind of scouting report you got on these guys? Uh, I'm going to be see, curious how it works out. Because if you're going to take one thing away from what the Cardinals did to the Browns on Sunday, Browns came out first you know, first half or whatever, first few snaps. Cardinals said, here you go. Here's a 6-2 look. Try and run on this. And it kind of rattled the Browns. Um, they threw. Some balls were erratic. Um, we'll see what you know how Denver chooses to address this. Uh, they keep saying Dearness Johnson is going, you know, going to be the starter. Um, I think they like Felton in this, you know, universal joker type of offensive role where, you know, he can be on the field and nobody knows what you're truly going to do with him. Um, I, if anything, I think it's going to come down to, you know, it's going to come down to, and hopefully we're talking PPR, it's going to come down to receptions. And I think that's where you're going to like a guy like Felton. Although all three of these guys, John Kelly came up from the practice squad, all succeeded well in the preseason. Um, as far as receivers, and let's put it this way, guys, you're grasping at straws now if you're trying to play any of these Browns running backs in fantasy. Um, so good luck with that. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if they try to feature Demetric Felton here. Um, one, he's quick. Uh, he's elusive. He's pretty fresh. And for me, this is the kind of guy you would maybe want to feature on a Thursday night. And I keep saying this, you know, nobody's 100% on a, this time of year in the NFL. You're certainly not 100% in a Thursday night football game, even if you're feeling your best, maybe you're 80 but a guy like Demetri Felton is probably pretty close to 90, 95. Maybe that could be an advantage and something the Browns can take uh, advantage of here Sunday against the Denver Broncos. I mean, Thursday against the Denver Broncos. Fantastic stuff, Jeff. Really appreciate you jumping on the show with us and giving us some insight into these Cleveland Browns, which are a fascinating team right now, heading into Week 7 and Thursday night and really for the rest of this 2021 season. And I know you're a busy man with everything going on there and locked on Browns. So uh, thanks for carving out a little bit of time for us today. Oh, anything for you, gentlemen. You guys know that. <laughs> Matt and I will crack open the P&W mailbag next. Questions on the Giants, the Patriots, and Super Bowl contenders. This episode of Lockdown 49ers brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving community since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food, friends and family Uh, A place where classmates can meet up. You do a study group. They've got dependable Wi-Fi even. And, of course, endless supplies of French fries. And I know my son is a fiend already for French fries at three years old, as was I for McDonald's fries. Back in the day, win or lose, McDonald's is a place where teammates, competitors, the home team can come to recharge on a road trip, rest your legs, and refuel. The post-game Little League game stop right you stop in maybe even with the whole team at mcdonald's grab some burgers and fries and some some nuggets not to mention mcdonald's was a place that you know half of my friends at some point worked at back the day in high school right first job a lot of mcdonald's first jobs so head to your local mcdonald's to refuel and reconnect mcdonald's i'm loving it 
Now is the time to grab yourself a box of Built Bars at Built.com and get 15% off your first box while doing it with promo code LOCKED15. They brought back the marshmallow puff flavors recently. They're always bringing in new and fun flavors, and the bottom line is it tastes good and it's healthy. That's the only reason you need to be going to BuiltBar.com. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Most flavors have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, and only 4 grams of sugar and 4 grams of net carbs. Uh, maybe you want a little bit more protein. You can get up to 18 grams of protein in some flavors, like the peanut butter, which is my favorite. But there's a ton of great flavors, all covered in delicious 100% protein chocolate the nine original flavors a bunch of new flavors i think they got 18 flavors up there you can build your own box and mix and match flavors that's promo code locked 15 for 15 percent off at built.com all right we will actually make our official predictions on browns and broncos on tomorrow's episode but you know jeff gave us a lot to think about that this is a really tough game and it's minus one and a half today see what that case keenum news and baker mayfield news does to the line there with the browns at home both those teams three and three but let's move into mailbag mode here with some questions from the week from our listeners i want to go to anthony first he says with major offensive line wide receiver and running back injuries is it fair to judge Daniel Jones this year? With two first-rounders next year, seems like a decision has to be made this year. Also, would you trade Saquon as I don't know if he should get a second contract with another year wasted, but he'd likely help a new quarterback? That's a big, this is a, lo- a big topic. And I didn't realize this, and I read it yesterday, tweeted it out like 24 hours ago. Over the last five years, BP, the Giants have the worst winning percentage in the whole league. They're winning 27% of their games over the last five seasons. I mean, worse than the Jets and the Jags and the Bengals. I mean, bottom feeders. And I don't think people look at this team that way and think, wow, they're the worst. I mean, 32nd. The, and yeah, the Jaguars lost 20 straight games. And you have a worse right, record than right. that. I mean, uh, Coach Taylor in, in Cincinnati was, to, what, 2-14 and 14 for two years in a row. I mean, like, and the Jags aren't exactly pick, or the Giants haven't picked, like, first in the draft any of these years or anything. But they've been the, the worst team in five-year stretch. Wow. I kind of feel like you have to blow the whole thing up. Coach, GM, quarterback. But, man, they don't have a lot of contract space from what I understand. They have some big contracts. If you could trade Saquon and get a, a pick that you probably, you know, won't be as happy with the pick as you expect, you're not going to get multiple first rounders for him or anything with his injury history. I think I'd consider it. They have some good players, but boy, I mean, they invest very strangely in that, you know, Kenny Galladay went through free agency and nobody bid on him. And then late in the process, they give him like 16 million. And Adoree Jackson, Tennessee was trying to trade, nobody wanted him. They give him a ton of money when he's on the open market, like things like that. Like they don't handle their funds well or play the game well, but I was kind of warming up to Daniel Jones. I was very, very low on Daniel Jones coming out (laughs) and going into this season, but I think he's shown glimpses despite some tough situations when they run them, when they throw them deep this past week, you know, you and I both said it looked like he had practiced with a concussion all week. So I'm not going to hold that against him too much. Their receivers and weapons have been just a revolving door all year. So I'm not saying he's great, but I think he's gotten a little bit of a bum rap. I 
whether it's more circumstances in 2021 or not, to me, he would have, he already started, like you mentioned, at such a low confidence level that he had to show a lot this year. And he hasn't shown it. And he's not going to show it with his team. So to me, it it comes down to David Gettleman. So if I'm the owner answering this question, I say, David Gettleman, you drafted a running back number two overall. You drafted a quarterback that didn't develop into a good player. We've been the worst team on your watch in the entire NFL. You go away, and a new GM is going to come in. He's going to draft a new quarterback with those extra picks. And by the way, David Gettleman, thank you for finally trading down for the first time in your life and giving us those extra picks. We're going to utilize those with a different GM. I'm sorry. Um, And, yeah, trade Saquon because I think running backs don't matter. I don't think they will do all of these things necessarily, but I think that's what you have to do. New GM, new head coach, new regime, new quarterback. You have to start it over because you've already been the worst team in the league for five years. What is the difference in starting over now because you're not like breaking down a good team and you still have some pieces maybe to get there quick maybe you bring in a veteran quarterback maybe and it doesn't mean you have to just kick Daniel Jones straight to the curb if the if the right quarterback's not there don't force that pick either like Daniel Jones felt like a forced pick a couple years ago yes, in the draft so maybe you can maybe Daniel Jones gets another year just because the right quarterback is not there but I, I would definitely bring in a new GM first to start this whole process whether it's fair or not to Daniel Jones I think it's fair for sure to grade Dave Gettleman on the record on, on his watch. Agreed. I mean, it's just not, it's way below the line. I mean, you're last in the last five years. I mean, that's, I think that kind of speaks for itself and I might make a coaching change too. I think you have to, because I think a new GM is going to bring in a new coach. And again, that maybe right, not, right. maybe, maybe you, you keep coach and quarterback for one more year and it's another evaluation year and you're bringing in competition on the roster, but yeah, a new GM for sure is where I would start there. And like, look, this day and age, and I said at the time, it wasn't that long ago. It wasn't like a different era when they drafted Saquon Barkley. Said, what are you doing? Don't draft no, a running right, right. back number two. He's super talented. Don't do it. It's not going to add wins to your roster. And guess what? It did not add wins to their roster. And you're right. We've seen it with Christian McCaffrey now, the best running back in the league. That second contract is dicey. So if a team's going to give you something for Saquon, and I think you could get something for Saquon. I would sure. absolutely trade him and help uh, that rebuild because he's not adding wins to your team. I mean, if I'm the Chiefs, I'll give you something for Saquon. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yes, I can find some fits. Oh you know, my gosh, for good you probably get right. a lot. You send him to the other conference. Yeah, right, right, right. I mean, you're not going to get what you expect. I mean, you'll probably get like a second round pick for the guy. Yeah, maybe, maybe a second, maybe even get a younger back. Maybe get Clyde Edwards Hilaire back or something. Something like that. Right, yeah. right, right. That's not terrible. I mean. Imagine him in a Chiefs uniform and he's healthy. Oh, that'd be <laughs> that'd be scary for the the two games that he's healthy. Right, both games he plays <laughs> as the Chiefs would be really good because he, uh, his receiving ability. Um, yeah, but yeah, Saquon is, was sort of overrated the entire time to me. He's like a freak athlete, but just as a true vision running back, he was never really that to me anyway. A little boomer. I mean, very. I, He's the most talented running back I've ever evaluated. But he is not a great vision guy. He's not great in protection. And he is very boomer bust like. And people will be like, well, yeah, like Barry Sanders, right? Like, um, <laughs> kind of. I mean, yeah, he hits some long ones, but that, I hate the, oh, he reminds me of Jim Brown. He reminds me of Jerry Rice. He reminds me of Reggie White. Right. Like, <laughs> not really like Barry Sanders. I mean, he's super talented and could and should be the best back in the league. 
But there's he bounces a lot of things, oh, he, and he should just hit up the middle. When I evaluated him coming out of college, he was like, oh, you're just going to bounce everything. Okay, well, because you're yeah, faster right. than everybody your whole life, so you can bounce everything. And in the NFL, it's not quite like that, although he still had a lot of success in the NFL, and maybe that just meant he had to develop that extra bit of his game, and maybe there's still more there with Saquon. But now yeah. with the injuries, and then, you know, is he still going to be that unique athlete? Um, and he's a running back, and running backs don't matter, so... I mean, we Let's, see this in several positions. I mean, quarterbacks with the best arm in the world don't have to be anticipatory throwers because they'll just gun it in there later than you know, they can let it fly later than everybody else. Defensive tackles that are the most Albert Hainsworth, yeah. more talent they went on the field, doesn't really have to work on technique. You know, Barkley can bounce everything outside against Iowa and Michigan State and be the best player in college football. You know, I mean, he didn't have to work on the nuances of his game. The saving grace for Saquon, though, is his receiving ability. He should help an offense oh. that knows how to utilize that, even if he's not the dude anymore and that number two overall pick and an every down back because of injuries, because of whatever else. He could be, he could really help a team and a good team. Oh, so yeah. I think he would definitely have trade value. So I would absolutely dangle him. I don't think the New York Giants will do that because he sells jerseys probably. Gettleman won't. Um, yeah, definitely not. Uh, I want to move on here to a quick a question I think we can answer quickly here from Michael. Who's a more likely contender at 5-1, and one, the Ravens, Cowboys, and Packers? My first response is they're all contenders. They're legit contenders. But essentially, the question to me is pick one that has the best chance at winning the Super Bowl between the Ravens, Cowboys, and Packers. Which one do you pick, Matt? I'm glad he brought the Packers because I've been kind of hard on them. I mean, they got blown out week one, and they've just beaten everyone since and kind of made it look easy. And I've said things like, I think they're really good. I just don't think they're a tier one team. But one thing I haven't said, and I'm mad at myself for this, is they are a one-loss team without David Bakhtiari, Zadaria Smith, and Jari Alexander. <laughs> you know, like, that might be the best left tackle and corner in the league and far and away their best pass rusher and maybe most disruptive defensive player. And they're still knocking people out, like, in business trips. You know, just taking care of business, boom, we don't have to put up 500 yards through the air. And I still they're, think they're third for me, though. They're, they're, hold on. The Packers' only loss, too, was week one. The week sort one, of an extended, one, yeah. like, that's the week we saw with the Bills. We saw with a bunch of teams around the NFL. That's the week where you could say, that was probably more of an extended preseason game there for a Packers team right. where their quarterback was gone all spring and summer, right? So yeah. like they you can even out. explain yeah. away their only loss on the year so far, and it seems like they have a, a huge opportunity to be even better than they have been. Yeah, and he really should throw that game out to some degree. I know that, I mean, especially when the last five have gone how they have, mm -hmm. where they're just taking care of business. You know, like I studied that Steeler game. They were never threatened. They never had to get super aggressive. You know, Rodgers knows when to hold them and when to fold them. You know, I mean, and I kind of feel like all their games have gone that way. I think Dallas would be my pick, though. Mm -hmm. Although... I think Dallas's head coach is definitely third on my list on those guys too. Like I, his clock management, and he could screw things up for them. Well, I thought he was going to be game. on a list if this this season went south and and Dak didn't come back quickly from his injury that he would be on a list of, of coaches to be fired. And we had a question about that, uh, but he, he's actually you know, and obviously seeing how it ended with. Um, with uh, the, the Packers and Aaron Rodgers there, I thought, I oh, mean, mm -hmm. I don't have a lot of confidence there. Holes on defense, but they've really turned around the Cowboys. I would still pick the Packers. I think I just think it's going to be a little bit easier in the NFC, and we've seen already True. how good the Packers are and been to the NFC championship games. The AFC tournament is just going to be so difficult. It's going to be, you know, grab your pet popcorn and watch. But I think in the NFC, 
I think there's a couple teams you can really pick them out and be like, okay, is it Packers, Arizona, Cowboys, you know, uh, and Bucks? There's like one Rams, team in each division Bucks. that's really, you know, Rams are in it. You know, it's going to be a good tournament too. But in the AFC, I just have no idea what to think about the Ravens, Chargers, Chiefs, and Bills. And it's like, uh, it's it, they're just going to beat each other up. So I don't know who to choose. So I'd probably lean to the NFC side just because of that. And I think I'll go with the Packers of this group. But but I think I'd like right now the way the Cardinals are playing. They're, they're number one, uh, not just because of their record. Like they have stars, and I, they would be my pick right now to refer, represent the NFC. No, I, I hear you, and, and that makes perfect sense, especially if, you know after watching this past week. The three teams mentioned though by the, this Twitter question to me are all absolutely on the same tier. Absolutely could win the Super Bowl. Looks like they're pulling away in their division. Although I think the AFC North is going to be a little more difficult. You know, like we just we just talked about with with Jeff. I mean, the Packers and Cowboys, I don't think will be challenged in their division at all. They may be resting week 18, that kind of thing. All right. We didn't keep that one short, but uh, (laughs) let's see if we can keep this one short and sneak it in really quick. Because I want to get to this question from our friend, Go Pats. He's got a Patriots question. He says, hey, Matt and Brian, my Pats have lost to the Finns, Bucks, Cowboys by a combined total of 10 points. Only one bad loss in the season to the Saints. They could be five and one instead of two and four if they made a few more plays. Are they punching above their weight, so to speak, with middling roster, or is there a breakout coming? I think they're punching above their weight, and that's a really optimistic way to look at them to say they're really close to five and one. Just for the smell test and how they've played, they do not look like a five and one team to me at all. Um, I think a lot of people going back to last year are. Oh, Brady made Belichick. It's not a two-way street. You know, look what's happened to the Patriots. His roster, especially last year, was amongst the worst in the league. This year is better, but not great. Uh, I think they're punching above their weight is the way he phrased it, right? And, and I think you could look at Belichick. it the other way and say they're almost 1-5, and five, and that loss was almost to the Texans that they beat by a field goal, 25-22. <laughs> right. And by the way, that Dolphins win, or that Dolphins loss, Looks even worse now. The Dolphins just lost to the Jaguars. Looks terrible, yeah. Right? So, yeah, you could look at that both ways. So, I, I don't expect that breakout coming for the Patriots. No. And last note, I know we'll super make it quick. Belichick realizes his only chance of winning games are tight, close games, get the ball at the end, mm-hmm. win on special teams, win on the margins. So, they are going to play close games. And I'm not taking anything away from what they did against Tampa, but – it was pouring down rain. Brady was very emotional, was overthrowing things at the beginning. If they play that game 10 times, I'm not sure the Patriots win any. We'll get to that Patriots-Jets game, and if the Patriots win that one and they're favored by a lot, don't don't get your hopes up, go Pats. The, I, I don't think the breakout's coming, even though they could possibly no. win here in Week 7 and be a game below 500. we We'll get to all those no games. Explo- no explosive players. Yeah. We'll get to those games on the schedule Uh, Thursday and Friday episodes here. We'll make our picks for all of the Week 7 games. Thanks for making us your first listen every single day right here. Peacock and Williamson.